the only superhero I've ever loved is Thor. In the new Ultimates comic books, he's this anti-capitalist hippie, and he's camped out on a fjord with a bunch of other hippies. He's got long blonde hair and a shaggy beard and ripped arms and well-defined abs. And he carries this huge war hammer that can control thunder and lightning. Thor is the son of the Norse god Odin, and he believes that he's been sent from the heavens to purify the earth. He's very powerful. He's my dream man. One weekend in early winter, I take a rock climbing class in Joshua Tree in the California desert. It's really, really cold, and I have these plans to grill a steak over a fire at the campground, but it was too cold. So I follow the teacher and the other people from the climbing class, these three dudes, to this restaurant for dinner in the town of Joshua Tree. And there's one restaurant in the town of Joshua Tree where all the climbers go to hang out after climbing all day. It's this loud, raucous place. They have healthy food and really good beer. And I got a turkey burger and a dark porter, and I sat down at the counter next to one of the guys from my class. He's personable, and he tells me about the night he met his wife. So I happen to look over, and I see this guy at the end of the counter. He's in the middle of telling a story to a bunch of people. He's wearing a sleeveless T-shirt, and his arms are sort of stretched out, demonstrating a skydive. He's telling this story about how he split his lip open with his teeth the last time he jumped out of a plane. And he's really tan, and I notice that his muscles are pretty remarkable. And he's got long blonde hair and a shaggy beard. And um, he's flying. I mean, he's imitating flying through the air. You know, what it must be like to skydive. In the middle of his story, he looks up at me. And our eyes meet. And I'm thinking, this guy looks just like Thor. I feel my body heat rise very rapidly, and I'm completely overcome. Everything goes silent. The guy next to me talking, all the groups of climbers, the music, everything. It's this crystalline moment. Just me and him. Everything else disappears. And he comes over. I'm a magnet, and he's drawn to me. And he just stands there next to me and I look up at him and all this energy is crackling between us and my heart is like beating in my throat. We talk for a minute and then he tells me I have three kids and without skipping a beat I just look at him and I'm like sounds like fun after all I want kids and he says I gotta go I gotta meet my friend And I say, okay, bye. But before he leaves, he puts his hand on my back. And this wave of heat and desire just crashes in my chest. A lightning bolt. And then he's gone. And I'm like dizzy and I'm trying to steady myself. And the guy I'm sitting next to says, nice guy. I'm like, yeah, totally. Nice guy. So we all leave, and everybody camps out in the desert. And the wind is blowing really hard, and the tent was shaking, and I'm by myself in there, huddled in the sleeping bag. I'm freezing cold, and I don't sleep at all, because I'm just thinking about this guy all night. And the next day, I go and climb all day, and I get in my car to go back home. Two hours, that's my drive. And I'm driving through the park on the way out. And Joshua Tree has this surreal landscape. 
The sun is setting and the horizon is huge. The trees are like people frozen in these postures and the sunset lasts a really long time. And the rock formations are like faces and crowds of people and they turn amber and then pink as the sun sets. And it's this long black ribbon of road. What do I do? Am I really going to just drive back home? I'm going to go back to that restaurant and just see. So I go back to the restaurant. And tonight there's nobody in there. It's totally empty. And I order some food and I sit at the counter, the same place I sat the night before. And I just sit there and wait. And then the door opens. And he walks in. He walks right over to me. I'm so glad you're here, he said. Like we had made a date, like like he was expecting me, and there I am. And then all these guys come in, they're all his friends, and they all order food, and they sit at the counter. It's loud, they're all telling these climbing stories, but he and I are just locked in on each other. And at some point I get up, and I say, it's getting late, I gotta work tomorrow, I gotta go home. And, and so he gets up and says, oh, I'll walk you to your car. So we get outside, and we're walking. And he says, last night I was crashing on my friend's couch, and I couldn't sleep because I was thinking about you. He was having the same experience as me. So we get to my car, and within about four minutes, we had driven out into the middle of the desert. We found this remote place. There were no houses and no cars and nobody. And we got out of the car and we're making a bed out of the sand. It felt perfect. No one's ever felt like that before. The next weekend, his kids spend the night at their friends' houses and he takes me back to the desert. In the car, he tells me about this first ascent he made of a peak in the Andes, in Peru. And then he takes me off-roading. And I've never been off-roading before. I've never actually seen an ATV or a quad or a dirt bike, but there are these places in the desert, these hilly areas, where if you have an off-road vehicle, you go to these places to ride them. So his dirt bike is like the size of a horse. You have to use a ladder to mount this thing. So he's like, oh, I got to put on my gear. And I'm watching him put on all his gear from, from behind. His back is to me. And he puts on these red and white leather pants with pads and the thighs and the knees and these big black leather boots. And he puts on this matching red and white leather jacket with the pads on the shoulders and the elbows and these long gloves. And then he picks up his helmet and he turns around and across the front of the jacket in black, puffy, leather letters is the word Thor. He tucks his hair into the helmet and wipes the mist off of his beard and puts the helmet on and he's like, let's go for a ride. 
So I get on the back of this dirt bike and I grab him around the waist and the bike is so loud and powerful and we ride around the desert and we do these jumps into mud piles and it splatters mud everywhere and then we get to the base of this really steep rock formation and he points to the top of it and I'm like, what? What are you? No, no. And he just starts laughing and rides up it. This vertical rock face, okay, with me behind him. And as we're going up, I'm so terrified and I'm so aroused at the same time. And we get to the top and it's totally quiet. And I think to myself, this is how Lois Lane felt when Superman flew her over Metropolis for the first time. And I'm like, okay, I found him. I found my man. I found Thor. Two months later, Thor dumps me. He and his kids had just spent the weekend with me. I thought we were doing well. I don't understand it. One question keeps running through my head, over and over. What did I do wrong? I never get an answer from him. It's just over. I'm hurt. I stop eating, I stop sleeping. But eventually, I realize I have to go on with my life. So I go to South America, I go to Japan, I move on. And then a few months later, I'm on this climbing website looking at all the bulletins and I see Thor's name and I click on it and I find out he's been injured. Bad. I'm talking to Thor for the first time since he broke up with me. It was crazy. So time just disappeared, you know? I mean, hours would disappear, days would just disappear. Weeks, you know, months, you know. Oh my God, like it's been months. I've been sitting here in this, you know, ICU for, you know, two months. And then the next hospital for a month and a half. Thor's living at his mother's house now. They've modified the place to accommodate his wheelchair and they've added a room for his round-the-clock caregiver because Thor is now paralyzed from the neck down. I didn't know that you knew, and I wanted to let you know before too much time went by, too. He was cliff diving into a river when it happened. So, I mean, I dove off a 15-foot rock, maybe taller, like maybe 15-foot rock. I did a, a one-and-a-half forward flip into, like, a perfect dive. And the water was only four feet deep. Why? 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 I did it because I didn't know it was freaking shallow. You know, I had no idea it was shallow. I've been diving my entire life. I did it because I was showing off. There was a ton of people there. You know, I was like, screw it. I'll do something cool and give these guys a show. And I hooked a one and a half flip. And that was it. Hang on. 
most likely he'll never walk again. I mean, I severely traumatized my, my vertebrae. That is as close as you can come since I bring your spinal cord. How are you alive? I don't... Well, people survive. It's unbelievable. I mean, it's amazing. What's more amazing to me is that I can still be functioning and normal with nine tenths of my body incapacitated. And I know I'm not supposed to feel this, and I'm certainly not supposed to say it out loud, but I'm profoundly grateful that he dumped me before this happened because I didn't have to be his girlfriend or his wife and watch him take that dive because all I can see is what he's lost. He's no longer Thor, right? My hands don't work, you know? Half of my arms don't work. I have to help with everything. I have to have help getting dressed, to getting transferred in my chair. So people think that when you're paralyzed, you just can't feel anything. So that's sort of true. You can't feel any sense of touch, but you can still feel all the nerves and bones and aching and stuff inside. Like, I'm in pain all the time. His voice hasn't changed much. So talking to him brings back all these memories of his physical power, his daring, his charm, his climbing prowess. Do you think about climbing and like jumping out of airplanes and stuff. Do you think about that sometimes? Oh, of course. It's cool to have those memories, have those experiences. And also, more than anything, is what it taught me. You know, everything I've done was like preparing for something this difficult. Anytime I get confused or down about this, you know what I mean? It's a perspective to have. It's, this is what I've always wanted to do my entire life. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what the medium is. What I've always wanted to enjoy doing is putting myself at the challenges and trying to learn something about yourself, you know, be stronger than you thought you were or you ever knew you could possibly be. Even now, without his superpowers, Thor is still Thor. Ultimately, the more that I can accept where I am and let go of what I'm not anymore, the more I can become what I'm supposed to be, you know? That story comes from Snap Judgment's own Rebecca Hertz. You are listening to Snap Judgment, and to hear more stories, visit snapjudgment.org.